Welcome to planetmullins.com. You know, just chatting with you guys before we went live about stuff, and you recently um, moved to L.A. from Chicago, but Chicago is where you met, right? Yes, it was. Okay, well, oh, okay. Well, Matt, I'll start with you. Um, you started putting your music out, like, you know, 20, you had a deal in 24, was it 2014 with a Japanese label? How did they, were you just kind of on your own doing your music at that point? Have you met Angela yet? Or were you just kind of saying, okay, I'm going to put it out and see what happens? <laughs> Actually, um, I met Angela while I was in college and we started dating um, in 2011. Okay. And- and then she was helping me out with my first album that I was producing by myself in my dorm room. Didn't know what the heck I was doing. <laughs> Just trying to figure it out by looking online and all that stuff, purchasing right. music equipment and all that. So um, that was my first crack at it. And then from there, like, you know, that that kind of did what it did. You know, it was my first time actually producing on my own. So then from there, I decided like, hey, you want to know what? I just want to make as much music as I possibly can. Right. I didn't really know what I was going to do with it, but I just knew like if I just continued to make the music, maybe something would come of it. So I was at her apartment because we ended up moving in together and I'm recording this these songs inside of her closet um, at her apartment. <laughs> and, I, and I distinctly remember like I was working security and then i come home and record and there were people that lived underneath us and also people that lived above us and when i would be singing at night you'd hear someone hitting the ceiling with a broomstick (laughs) 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 that basically told me to stop (laughs) so that's how i recorded um what soon would have become or would became uh my debut Japanese album. They just reached out to me randomly on YouTube because I was wow. uploading the record on YouTube just wow. so they would be able to live somewhere, right? right? And then they were like, hey, these 14 songs that you have uploaded onto your YouTube channel, we want this to be your first album in Japan. Incredible. And if you will, and if you will sign with us, we'll distribute it for you, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm thinking it's out of my head, like, oh, my goodness, these guys are trying to steal my music. Like, that's what I'm thinking in my head. <laughs> but, you know, right. I prayed about it. And I was like, you want to know what? Nothing venture, nothing gain. So I gave them the album to release, um, got it remixed and remastered. Um, and the rest is history. The record, the album did really well. Charted number one in Japan on the R&B iTunes chart. Um, distributed in over 1,400 stores across Japan. Yeah, I mean, it was insane. Posters of me all over the place. It was, it was crazy. Yeah, that's great, man. Yeah, that's so great. I, I had that same thing back when I was young. I did a Japanese deal and I did a, a commercial for their big wedding company, and I flew over there to do a little tour. And there were pictures of me in the subway, like life size stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah, freaks awesome. out. Well, from there, um, your single Colorblind went over to China, which is an amazing thing. And you had 158 million streams in China, which is incredible. Yeah. And I found out about that over the pandemic because it was something that uh, Angela was like doing these this course stuff with uh, Ari's Take Academy um, and some people that she was working with 
ended up looking into like my album and trying to kind of figure out how it was doing in China, oh. whether or not it was even out in China, because it was only supposed to be distributed in the territory of Japan. But right. of course, you know how music works, like it always bleeds over, right? So right. it ended up bleeding over into China and they found out through just a little bit of research that Colorblind had 158 million streams. Some of the other <laughs> records had like 10 million streams here, wow. 30 million streams there. Yeah. There was like hundreds, if not thousands of comments of people saying like, this was my wedding song. I Whoa. remember this song when I was in high school. All this stuff. I was like, oh my God. And it just, it just goes to show like you never know how far your music is going to go or how far it's going to take you. So at that point, Angela, did you put on the, uh, you know, the lawyer hat or the label <laughs> president hat or just get out like a, you know, Chinese takeout menu and then like order all the takeout <laughs> and then hold it in, a, hold it in that closet where Matt used to sing and say, nobody gets any chow mein until you pay the bill, man. <laughs> well, basically, we did contact our lawyer just to make sure everything was, you know, copacetic on the back end. But from there, um, I worked with a company that um, kind of worked with management of artists overseas in the Chinese oh. market. And so we bought them on board to kind of help us figure out how to navigate that particular market because we were familiar with the Japanese space but had never done anything in China before. Right. And even though they're very close to one another, there's a lot of differences and nuances, different streaming platforms, different ways that the artist communicates with their fans and so right. on. And so, so it was like a whole year and a half worth of a learning curve trying to figure out how it was best for Matt to translate that success that he had accrued years ago that we had just discovered Amazing. and bring that over into this market and figuring it out you know so it was interesting well, really cool stuff. <laughs> well what i um what kind of rang a bell with me in doing a little research on your amazing career path is that in 2017 you were able to sign with priority records yeah and for the the people out there uh that you know are not los angeles based or not in the industry but still watch and listen to my show priority was a uh you know company that did something really kind of unique and innovative because they marketed everything underground. They weren't caring about the airplay and it was all basically street street marketing and they went huge. Um, here are some of the people on Priority's roster between the 80s and 1996. NWA, Crazy. Ice Cube, mm. MC Ren, Crazy. Easy E, Masterpiece, Snoop Dogg, <laughs> Jay Z, Paris, Mac 10, 504 Boys, C Murder, West Side Connection, No Limit, and Ice T. So, how did you like? Did you guys flip out when you knew you were sitting at that first meeting with Priority, kind of going, Oh my God, this is we're on the verge of like the biggest thing ever? Or what? How did that work out? Yeah, I mean, it, it was crazy. Uh, we were in Chicago at the time, and I think. This story is probably best told by Angela because the experience in and of itself was just insane. So um, we were in the process of releasing Matt's EP called Rise, which was executively produced and collectively everything was produced on that project by Brian Michael Cox, which was really cool for Matt um, at the time. And we were trying to figure out who was best to 
be our label home at the time because we were initially doing everything through DistroKid. And as you know, DistroKid is cool, but it's always best to have that label to artist relationship. So we were looking around and trying to find different people and someone who was a mutual friend of Fuzzy West, who worked at Priority at the time, was, was like, hey, I could probably reach out to Priority and see if they're interested. Incredible. And so from there, we got in touch with Fuzzy, who loved Matt. And he was like, let's send paperwork back and forth. Now, why this was interesting. This is the fun part. <laughs> <laughs> okay. was during that time, I also just so happened to be nine months pregnant <laughs> with our third child. Wow. So we were in the midst of trying to figure out the paperwork and all of the stuff contractually with priority while I was in the process of planning the birth of our, our last child, Noah. Wow. Obviously that was um, (laughs) mentally taxing for me because there were so many different things that I'm thinking about. Cause on one hand I have my manager hat on and I'm trying to figure out, okay, how do I negotiate this deal? What does this look like? Blah, blah, blah. Then on the other hand, how can I birth this baby? What do I need to bring to the hospital? Blah, blah, blah. Oh my God. So, so it was like, (laughs) Contracts and contractions. <laughs> you got you guys had a lot going on. Go ahead. So we we definitely did. It was contracts and contractions. <laughs> so we went. the The irony is, we on the day that we were supposed to be signing this contract was the same day that I was to have our child because I had our third child be a C section. Okay. So we go to the hospital. I have the baby be a C-section. They take me to the postpartum floor and then I have my laptop out and then (laughs) our son. And then we get on the call with our lawyer and the people at priority. And they're like, Hey, so how's everybody doing? And I'm like, Oh, I'm pretty good. I just had a baby this morning. (laughs) The whole room was quiet. I mean, the whole phone line was quiet. Everyone's like, uh, okay. Congratulations. Or, Well, those kind of a, those kind of events, man, they just, you know, supersede and rule over all of this silly business stuff that we all do. Not saying that it's all silly, but congratulations on, you know, your third child and stuff. And then, so you guys went ahead then, did you sign the contract from the hospital room from or the hospital, on the way home? From the yeah. hospital bed, you're signing contract. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. With a new yeah, board. That's a, I've never heard of that. In all the years I've been doing this, I've never heard of anybody. <laughs> I mean, doing I that. Like, you had like, a choice. Like there, they, that was the only day that priority was available to to talk. Right. And I wasn't. I couldn't reschedule my C section, but I also yeah. didn't want this opportunity to to be fleeting and go by Matt. So I had two choices: either I let the deal go, or I find a way to do both. And Obviously, we know which one I chose. And the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, it really is because, you know, there are so many weak people in the world. And I really just don't have any respect for the people out there that are weak. And you guys are very strong and very um, determined because, you know, obviously, Matt, your talent is immense and amazing. And we, we'll we have to talk about your uh, song with, um, uh, with Eddie Kinzo 
yeah, before sure. you run out of time. It's called <clears throat> it's called Give Me Love. But the hard work that you guys have put in has really been paying off because when I saw um, you know, and Matt, you were like busy with the sound checking and getting the band right, and you guys were getting ready to do your one song at the Biltmore that night for the nominee yeah. party. But Angela was like, man, she was working the room, bro. <laughs> she was working the room. And I saw her. I was like, man, that chick is so fine over there. I got to say hi. And she's like, well, I'm married to that guy right over there on stage. And my name is Angela. And she handed me the business card. And then now is it Vitae or v- v- how do you say your record label? Vitae Records? Yeah, v- Vita Records. Oh, Vita. Vita. I mean, it's Latin for life. For life records. Oh well, I dropped out of Latin class, so let me... <laughs> so so technically, the Latin pronunciation would be Vite. Vite. Yeah, but we call but we call it Vita. We had to put a little American spin on that, right? <laughs> I can I can dig it. Well, the the branding at that uh, show, I saw you guys had a really professional um, presentation going on, and then you guys. Uh, you know, you and Eddie got up and did your song and everybody went crazy and Angela was walking around all proud and, <laughs> and you know, looking great. And then fast forward to the to the actual Grammys, which was just happened now. Now, you were nominated uh, yeah. for a Grammy this time. And, yes. uh, you know, to be nominated, I'm a Grammy nominated artist and it's a huge thing. Like, uh, as Seku said, you know, from that moment on, you're in a different category mm-hmm. and you're thought of in a different way. But our buddy Greg told me that you guys, because um, you're, you're, uh, the other part of your duo is in Uganda. And he said you went over there and did some sort of a show that had a hundred thousand people at it. That was just, <laughs> yeah. how do you guys yeah. have- how do you guys have time for all this stuff? That's what I want to know. <laughs> so look, that story, that story is crazy. So first, let me start by saying that, you know, Eddie and I, we met a year before the Grammy nomination. And we met just randomly at an event. We ended up sitting right next to one another. And okay. I was working on um, my Afrobeats project, which I'm still working on, which eventually morphed into an album. And during that time, he was like, hey, you want to know what? We want? We should do a record right away because we hit it off. So we went into the studio the next day and we recorded a record together. The sound engineer was running late. So he was like, hey, I want to play you some beats. The first beat that he played eventually became Give Me Love. Now, I wasn't even going to pick that beat, but Angela was like, (laughs) you want to know what? This is the run. This is the record you have to do. So the whole song was a freestyle. And during the midst of me kind of doing my thing with Eddie, then Eddie was kind of like, ah, you want to know what? We should move to another song. And I was like, no, I want to finish this record. So we finished it. We did the music video. And then lo and behold, a Grammy nomination came behind it. Now the nomination itself was crazy because we were in Uganda. We didn't know whether or not we were going to get the nomination, but Eddie had invited me out there to do his festival. So I performed at his festival and to my surprise, over 100,000 people (laughs) showed up to his festival. So I'm thinking inside of my head, like, wow, it can't get any better than this, right? Right. Eddie's like, hey, I think you should stick around because the Grammy nomination is coming through. Oh, yeah. The event that it happens, we want want you to be here so we can celebrate together. 
So I'm like, okay, cool. So we removed, we moved our flights around to try and accommodate being there a little longer. And it just so happened we got the nomination. Everyone's jumping up and down. We're crying like babies. <laughs> We're falling to the floor. It was it was just like a really, really magical, magical moment. Well, well, you know, they say, um, I can't remember who it was that had the uh quote that they said, um, you know, luck is when preparation and opportunity meet. Did you feel like it was kind of a divine kind of moment that you ended up sitting next to him? Because I've been in those situations too, where uh, you know, there's just a person there at the bar at the coffee shop having bacon and eggs next to you, and all of a sudden it turns into this huge thing, and it's great, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I think so. I mean, you know, I, Eddie is an amazing artist and, you know, I really respect what he does. And um, likewise for him with me. And I think that that was divine for us to end up being in that room together and for us to end up eventually creating this record that deep down inside, I was initially not going to do <laughs> had it not been for Angela picking that beat. And then him wanting to stop and move to another record halfway through the production of it. Right. So right. it just goes to show like there was definitely something divine and God was working in that in order to make sure we did do the record in order for it to become what it eventually became. Well, the distractions are immense when there are a lot of talent, talented people and good vibes and good tracks around and that's one of the most important things about producing a record is you know choosing which beat it's going to be and deciding which set of lyrics it's going to be and you know how is it going to be mixed and what is going to happen with the video and all that because a lot of really great productions have been sunk and never happened because people couldn't get along in the studio and so, so Angela, you're basically like the young uh, Quincy Jones all of a sudden. Let's go. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take should that. We, should we call you Quincet? <laughs> hey, from now on, I'm Quincet Jones. Quincet, Quincet Jones in the house. Now, um, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, now before we run out of, out of time, there's going to be... Um, uh, tour coming, I I heard. Are you going to be out playing some shows? And uh, tell me about that. Yeah, um, we're still working on kind of getting the ins and outs of where that tour is going to be. We know for sure that we want to do a U.S. tour. Okay. And we also know that we want to do an international tour in Africa, um, wow. probably somewhere between five to ten countries. Um, and if we're really crossing our fingers and hoping that we can go over to Europe as well, because mm -hmm. I have a really strong fan base, um, ironically, in uh, in Paris, right? Yeah. In France. In France. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then and then obviously, like, hopefully, maybe sometime towards the latter end of the tour, maybe we can touch down in either Japan or China. So definitely a lot of moving parts. I'm also working on my album. Um, I actually, before we got on the Zoom call, I was recording some records. So nice. um, just got out of quarantine. It was my first time with COVID. Um, oh, so wow. I, got, I got really lucky that at least I was able to hold it off for three years. Right. But, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's crazy. But uh, it's been it's been a roller coaster, but it's been fun. So um, just to kind of wrap it up uh, before we run out of time, I'm going to ask both of you the same question because I get confused about this. I was around when all of these genres uh, were were born and um, 
I think it's harder to tell now than it ever used to be. What is the difference between hip hop, R&B and rap music? Okay, I'm going to let Angela say first in like a minute and then Matt. Um, It's hard to say because they're all connected because they all are telling the Black story, our story from different vantage points and using different sounds that are present in either R&B or hip hop. Okay. For me, R&B and, and R&B soul is more of a, a genre where it's more melodic based and people are, are it's more spiritual and it's, it's, it's just a different type of connection with the okay. music and with the, with the audience versus hip hop and rap. Hip hop and rap are very similar, but for me, I feel rap is like the more poppy, mainstream version of hip hop mm. where they're very similar but they both sonically are different and rap is more so what you would see at the top of like the hot 100 versus okay. pop is more like the Kendrick Lamar and the J Coles and the Rhapsodies where people are actually spitting and they're telling a story of struggle and heartache and and individual experiences that people can really pull from and relate to versus rap it's more like a vibe and not that that's bad because you need those types of things, but it's like apples right. and oranges. They're both great fruits, but right. there's one that you would prefer. So I'm a hip hop person. If okay. I had to choose between rap or hip or hip hop and I'll always be R and B at heart. So that's yeah, well, you know, R and B, we all grew up on it. So Matt, what's your, what's your distinction between hip hop, R and B and rap? And how do you fit into that whole thing? It's always interesting because hip hop, hip hop to me is like jazz. Because hip hop is all about those lyrics and about those punchlines and about that poetry. Mm -hmm. And then we're thinking about rap and rap would be considered, like Angela said, more mainstream. um, And it's really more of a vibe, like she said. Then you have R&B. R&B is more melodic and it's about love and it's about expression and it's about um, just expressing the love that you have for someone and and, and what that person means to you. So um, very different genres, but they do blend here and there. And I think one of the reasons why, once again, like Angela said, is because it's coming from the Black experience. And we're all experiencing pretty much the same thing for the most part. Obviously, there's going to be some blending here and there, but they are very distinct genres of music. And um, I think as artists, we we kind of pull from it depending on how we're feeling or depending on what type of body of work we're making. That's that's a really great uh, description from both you guys. So do you use a, a Kai MPC? <laughs> you know what? Actually, I don't <laughs> physically produce however i do give my ideas and things like that to producers who help to create my vision so mm-hmm. i'm very hands-on in that way but i'm not the one who's who's pushing those the, those buttons however i do know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> I, re- I remember being being in denver in the 80s when the first drum machines were being invented and i went to this studio and they had a thing called the lind drum and it was like the first drum machine. There was no MIDI or anything like that. And this guy said, look, all you do is just hit this pad and that's the kick drum. Boop. You hit this pad and that's a snare. 
And I'm like, boom, bap, boom, boom, bap. And then <laughs> it just went on from there because I, I really am, I'm really rhythmically based when it comes to music, rhythm and harmony and probably more R&B than rap and hip hop because you guys are moving so fast, man. I can't keep up <laughs> with all the artists and all that stuff. So one last question. Um, so next year, the year after, when you do win the Grammy, are you going to let Beyonce and Jay-Z sit in your row or are they going to have to be like a row back behind you kind of like, you know, Jay-Z will be tapping Angela and saying, hey, man, you know, we got this new project. <laughs> that, that is the funniest question. And the reason why is because I literally had a dream last night that I was making a beat with Jay-Z. I told Angela that this, this morning, like I was lit. I just distinctly remember that we were producing the beat in Logic. So I'm not sure exactly why you've been answering that question. I mean, ask that question and whether or not that's divine in and of itself. But what I will say is I'll take it. And they seem to definitely probably be uh, either sitting beside me or behind me. I don't know which one, but I'll take it. Amen to that. Well, I wish you guys all the best with. With everything that you're up to, I mean, it's just, it's amazing to hear your story. You're very genuine, sincere, talented people and how you manage to do like a family life with three kids and all this stuff. It makes me tired just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, all thank right. you, Rob. Nice. So we appreciate you. So now if people want to reach out to you guys and, um, and contact you, what's the best way to do that? I mean, obviously in the youtube video and then when i put it out on spotify there'll be a list of links and stuff but um you know what's the what's the most direct path for somebody who's trying to reach out to you guys so um for me you can always find me at angela v benson that's a-n-g-e-l-a-v as in valerie benson v as in boy e-n-s-o-n on instagram twitter facebook all the outlets. So you can find my email there, website. Okay. And you can find me at Matt B World. That's M-A-T-T-B World. And that's across all social media platforms. Or you can go to my website, www.mattbworld.com. And once you step into my world, I guarantee <laughs> you, you don't want to leave it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I, I just want to warn all of the uh, all the young guys out there that if you go to Angela's Instagram don't be having those evil thoughts you're gonna get because <laughs> you can I'm you a, can look you can look just don't touch you get, it's okay admiration you, is fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah man all right you guys well that's gonna do it folks for another episode of the Planet Mullins podcast my guest tonight Matt B Angela Benson and they are new on the scene cruising up the charts to the top of the world thanks again for coming on you guys. Thank you for having us. All right. And we'll see you all next time.